Hello again, students. Well, you are the um, curators of the future, uh, but I am dealing with the curators of the past and the present. Um, I hope the two will be significantly different. Uh, you may remember that the last time, the last podcast, I uh, took you um, on a walk alongside the uh, pop-up cycle lane, the idiotic pop-up cycle lane uh, on Gosforth High Street in Newcastle. And I had with me the uh, surgical scalpel bequeathed to me by my pupil master, C.N. Glidewell, uh, who was a very brilliant uh, planning lawyer uh, in, in Manchester at the time. Um, well, um, before I, well, I, 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 what I said I would do would explain to you who is responsible for this idiotic cycle lane and tell you how they were being allowed to continue uh, with their idiocy. Well, I, I can't do that in one podcast. So today uh, I will deal with the people responsible for it. And the next one, uh, because I've been protesting about this cycle lane for some time, or a cycle lane for some time, uh, and hitting the fan, um, I will tell you about the people who operate the fans, and there are quite a few of them in my next podcast. Uh, before I uh, before I begin today, I should I think that I'm going to deal with cyclists. I better make it quite clear to you that I'm not opposed to cycling uh, and cyclists. Um, in fact, I was myself obviously one once a cyclist uh, when uh, when I was um, in my school days and university days for that matter. Um, I was the proud owner of a rally bike and I used to cycle up Humbledon Hill in Sunderland to school. In fact, on one occasion, I almost killed myself coming down. I know it dates me to say this, but there were trams in those days in Sunderland and my a wheel of my bike caught in a uh, in a tram rail and I ricocheted across the road and ricocheted back again. Mercifully, there was nothing coming the other way. Um, sadly, a, a very dear good friend of mine, a young solicitor, was not so fortunate. He, on one occasion, ricocheted across the road and there was a lorry coming the other way and that was sadly the end of him. So I do not joke about cycle lanes or cyclists at all. Um, but I want to go back before I start out and describe um, who is responsible for these idiotic cycle lanes. Um, I, I just want to I, I, I just want to add a, a couple more photographs. I made a return visit uh, to the high street in order to take them. Just let me remind you, especially if you're coming in first time on this. Uh, this is the uh, start of the cycleless cycle lane on Gosforth High Street. Um, the, a lot of the time now, even in a lockdown, uh, there is a tailback uh, from the what I call the the neck of the bottle at the other end of the of the uh, of the high street. And I decided I wanted to take a, a, another picture of that. And here it is. Sorry. Um, here it is. And this illustrates to you uh, the why there is a, a tailback. You can see that the bus can't park next to the curb and that pedestrians who are coming on or off the bus have to cross the route of the cycles. Um, and you will see that the cars line up behind the bus 
Um, and that's why there is a, a bottleneck. I didn't quite give you this picture last time. And this shows how narrow uh, the, the cycle lane gets at this point. It's about 44 inches wide. Um, I thought I'd also show you this picture this time. Uh, this is the artist's drawing in the consultation paper um, that went out. I know that my pupil master, C.N. Glidewell, would have relished the challenge of uh, quizzing, cross-examining the planners uh, in relation to the difference between that artist's drawing and the reality. When I, um, um, where, when I took that photograph, uh, I unfortunately missed another photograph on the opposite side of the road. You may remember that I also pointed out the very short cycle lane on the opposite side of the road. Um, uh, that's the, the entire length of it um, until you reach the start of Gosforth High Street. Well, um, what I didn't photograph was the fact that two cyclists uh, came along uh, traveling that road, traveling south, and they didn't use the cycle lane at all. They simply cycled outside it. Uh, the fact I said last time that the cycle lanes uh, uh, options were presented to the public in a consultation paper, they were offered. Um, uh, they, they were they were offered a choice between Bramley apples and Cox's apples, but it had to be apples. Well, I've got to tell you that both apples had worms in them, and that's the truth of it. Well, before I tell you who is responsible for all of this nonsense, um, I just want to make one or two broad brush statements so that you can see where I'm coming from in relation to this and why um, it isn't just a matter of cycle lanes on Gosforth High Street. It goes way beyond that. The first thing I do want to point out to you and to suggest to you for your, for your thoughts is that good intentions are not enough. They have to be supported by professionalism. That you can't simply construct good intentions on wishful thinking, on sound bites, on dogma. You've got to support it. Uh, with, with, with professionalism. The second thing I should be pointing out to you and illustrating is that it is possible, and especially I say this to academia, it is possible to be clever and stupid at the same time. The next thing I want to say to you is that, and I've seen this in relation to special educational needs, it can happen and it does happen that a very small tail can wag a very large dog, especially if the dog is sleeping. A small group of people get themselves entrenched in local or central government or academia and they can predetermine national policies and and, 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 and distort priorities. Um, 
I want to explain this to you as best I can. Um, this is a pie chart. And it illustrates the fact that only 1% of road journeys are by bike. Billions of pounds are being spent. Billions of pounds are being spent to try to get more people to, to, to go onto bicycles. And they have been spent over the last 10 years. Well, this is the result. There's been very little change. The policy really has been fashioned by London. Well, in London, yes, it's true. I mean, here are these statistics. They're a little bit old, but they, they point, the, point, the, point the way. In London, the number of cycling cyclists have gone up from 77,000 here to 155,000, and there's much more now. But in Newcastle, 1,781 has gone up to 3,223 over a 10-year period. In Gateshead, from 816 to 1,340, that's people cycling to work. People in London just have no idea what is going on in the provinces. If they think that what is happening in London is replicated um, elsewhere in the UK. I, I, I want to just read to you here what the project manager said to me when I was complaining about the a, 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 um, uh, a cycle lane and red lines. He said, the current cycling figures are lower than we would like and these changes will help to increase the number of cyclists using the junction and the high street. Currently, he said, there are less than a thousand cycles a day using the high street, but we want to see that grow so that 20% of all trips in Newcastle use this mode. Given that 30,000 vehicles use the Great North Road per day for return trips, then it's not unreasonable to see that figure grow to three or 4,000 return trips by bike. And I come back to you and say, that's where they wanted three or 4,000 to cycle. But they, when they said less than 1,000 cycles a day use the high street, they were not telling a lie. But what were they telling when a survey uh, conducted professional survey conducted by a local estate agent uh, revealed that probably no more than 70 cycles a day uh, use the high street today. I would think probably more nearer to 50. This is Operation Titanic that they're conducting. This, this promoting um, and why, why do I use the analogy of the Titanic? Because uh, the fact is that the more that you encourage cycling, the more there are injuries there are going to be. Um, and at the moment, uh, both Rossbar and the Department for Transport use the statistics from the police. And Rossbar acknowledges that the the, 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 the true number of injuries may be two or three times more, maybe even more than that. 
Well, I'll show you one other um, interesting uh, uh, statistic. Um, people were asked, is it too dangerous for me to cycle on the roads? And 62% agreed or strongly agreed. And only 22% disagreed. The, the, the tragedy is that the NHS could provide the answers if only somebody in academia had the initiative uh, to ask. But of course, there are no brownie points are there for finding out the real number of uh, injuries to cyclists on the roads. Um, Maya Angelou, that famous American writer. Sorry, I've got something to show you here, if I can find it. Maya Angelou sums it up. We are only so blind as we want to be. I think you'll find that what I'm saying goes even further than that. There are some people who believe uh, that the state is all things good um, and the private enterprise all things bad because there's profit involved in it. Truth is that both can be both can be extremely good and both can be God almighty awful. And uh, if you think that cronyism is the sole prerogative of the Tory party, you've got it very badly wrong. But we'll come on to that in a moment. I think the time has now come to reveal to you uh, where responsibility lies at the moment for all of this nonsense. It's probably the best kept secret by the media, because you'll never hear the media referring to it at all. The, the person, the people responsible for this are called Sustrans. And Sustrans are a charity and they also are a cycling lobby. Um, they've been around since the 1970s. I say it just, um, they were born in 77 BCE, missing out the C. Um, because BE stands for before electric. Their, um, their view of the world was entirely conditioned by conditions at the time, and they haven't changed since. Um, I, I think that um, you need to understand what they're about. And I will um, read from their annual review in 2013. By 2020, four out of five local journeys will be made by bike, foot or public transport. We think that the street should be designed for residents rather than for those driving through. 
with slower speeds and slower moving traffic so that people are more inclined to walk and cycle for their journeys, some or all of the way. So they want people to drive slowly and if they have to drive slowly they will obviously if they're given a cycle track they will opt to buy a bike. That is the way their minds work. And they believe that uh, if you have got a hammer and a chisel, especially the chisel, you can get people to do what you think they should do or what you really think in your heart of hearts they want to do if they're given an opportunity. And so they get people to drive at 20 miles an hour, no, no faster than 20 miles an hour, when it's perfectly safe to drive at 30 miles an hour, provided they drive carefully. And the law is there to deal with them if they drive carelessly or dangerously. And they fine hundreds of people, thousands of people, 100 pounds a week, if they are stupid enough to keep a car when they could have a bike. And now they want to stop parking on the pavement, as they describe it, in order again to force people to buy a bike. And it isn't that they park on the pavement, they park on the curb. And they park on the curb in order to give more road space on Britain's very narrow roads. And they also want parents to stop driving their kids to school, even though they want to drive their kids to school. They are tin-pot totalitarians. And the latest nonsense, and it is a nonsense, is to say that they want to subsidise e-bikes. Well, e-bikes aren't going to combat obesity and keep people fit. They're only going to complicate matters and create even more injuries for the National Health Service to deal with. These people are the Peter Pans. Peter Pans. They've never grown up. Just think around it. The world is changing dramatically. Um, I know people tend to, to be critical of America, uh, but America is setting the pace here. Um, I've got a... Um, I've got a, a drawing somewhere here. This is a, a this is the Evgo, Evgo, in, in, co combined with General Motors, uh, have got already got thousands or hundreds, certainly, of, of fast charging stations in California and beyond. Um, 115 million Americans live within a 15-minute drive of an Evgo fast charging station. At a time when we should be encouraging cars back into the city centres so that people can charge their cars and shop at the same time, this Sustrand still wants to keep cars out of the city centres and has wants to give no encouragement to cars uh, uh, to, to drive into the city centres. And just remember this, that the 
Labour government was in power from 2000, from 1997-2007, and millions of pounds were poured into Sustrans during that time. And they opened up offices in London, Cardiff, Edinburgh, Belfast, Peterborough, Nottingham, Birmingham, Newcastle-on-Tyne, Manchester and Leeds. And what has happened is that this charity was made, this lobby was made an executive arm of government. That's not a clever thing to do. And that, I, I, when are they, they, <laughs> they want more than that. Um, they had famous patrons. They had Jeremy Paxman and John Snow as their patrons. The Tweedledum and Tweedledee of television news reporting. Well, come to Newcastle and see how this worked out in Newcastle. Because that's where this is uh, sort of where I've seen it. Again, Sustrans in the consultation process were a, were a best kept secret. I know two councillors who didn't even realise that Sustrans uh, was a was a cycling lobby, and they were involved in the in the decision taking. The fact is that the government paid Newcastle the money to apply to the government for a £5.7 million ambitions bid fund so that Newcastle would then have the money to employ such strands to work out their plans for them. And when the plan emerged, that plan was Sustrand's plan. And this is what they said, to achieve 12% of all journeys under five miles by bike in the next 10 years. That was Sustrand's vision. Idiotic. People are just not going to do that in Newcastle. I think I said at the beginning that people could be clever and stupid at the same time. Well, clever, no doubt at all, because um, they're very good with graphics. This was the graphic art they produced. And it's easy to draw lines on maps without paying the slightest attention to the roads themselves. And where does it lead? I'll tell you where it leads. I'll read again from the, the, the Newcastle strategy. The overarching aim, overarching aim, is to develop a cycling culture where 20% of all trips under five miles are undertaken by cycle by 2021. That's next year. They quantified this. Now I want you to listen to this one. 1,232,177 additional trips are forecast. I can tell you they're out of their mind. And yet they're there to this day. 
Sustrans are a protected species. Well, next time I will describe who is protecting them. I'll describe to you the, the Ombudsman at Ant, and I'll tell you about my, my visit to some lawyers in London. Heavyweight lawyers. They, in fact, threw in the towel before even the bell had rung. But that is for next time. And I leave you with the thoughts, of, uh, the brain exercises, if you like, that I hope this latest podcast of mine facilitate. I wish you well. Keep safe.